Well, hello, 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 and thank you for listening to Cheek Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. This is episode 13, and obviously, being 13, it means it's the most lucky or and or unlucky episode that we have, meaning we are one man short tonight. This is a special episode. Sam could not make it. He has bronchitis and that's ain't nobody got time for that that's right so so bronchitis is kind of a thing apparently that, sam does yeah he has it he, yeah you kind of need your voice and you can't have your voice with bronchitis and you need your voice to podcast so we, we're gonna trudge on without him um just because we wanted to give you the listeners something to listen to this week um, because so, we care because we care and we uh, we we have a good time doing this, and and we I think you the listener has a good time listening to it. At least we think so. Uh, you, we hope so. We, we you say so. Uh, no one said anything bad yet, at least not to our faces. Uh, and by faces, I mean through email or Facebook. Um, so tonight is just Chad and just Corny. Uh, I didn't have any clever middle names for you guys tonight because we we changed everything on the fly. Sam dropped this kind of uh, proverbial uh, sickness bomb on us about an hour and a half ago. So. Uh, I have nothing clever for you, and we basically pulled this episode out of our ass. But we do that most weeks anyway, so it really won't be that different, truth be told. Uh, so <laughs> uh, uh, so there we go. So tonight's episode is a special edition episode. Uh, the three of us on the cast tonight, we're all music majors. All three of us were music majors. Sam, though, was a music person. He wasn't a music major. So this episode's actually perfect that he's not here, uh, even though he does like the music. All three of us are music majors, and so tonight we're going to take um, this episode and talk about uh, movies and film scores, and our favorite film scores, and our favorite um, movies and scores and composers, and anything that we can think about that has to do with, with music. Um, we're not going to talk about what I would call as the soundtrack. I'm not going to talk about the movies that use popular music in the movie. That's not what this particular episode is about. Maybe one day we will do that one the next time Sam is sick. But tonight is just about film scores. So, so let's pull up a comfy chair, put on your nice comfy headphones, and we'll, uh, we'll dive into this thing. So the, uh, uh, and for what it's worth, next week we will do Pulp Fiction, assuming everyone is, is uh, alive and healthy. So, so the rules for this particular episode are this. We decided to choose three, our top three film composers. Now, we all kind of figured that John Williams would be in our top three because, well, he's the man. So we decided to do top three non-John Williams, and then we will talk about John Williams because he is the man and we have to. So we, we each picked three top three non-John Williams film composers. And then we also had an honorable mention just because it's tough to choose just three, even though technically we're choosing four. And yeah, there's, then, just, oh, there's just so much out there that's... So much really good stuff. There really is. So, and then within that, we we picked a top three of each composer. And, and truth, we probably could have done a top ten of each composer, and it still would be all good stuff uh, that just would make for a really long podcast. Uh, though last week we went almost two hours. Not that, that we intend to do that tonight. So, with all that being said, now that you know the, the groundwork for this particular episode... And unfortunately, we can't play music from the the movies. Uh, I, That's I what YouTube is for. Yeah, and I don't want to get sued because <laughs> um, we're poor. We are cheap seat reviews, and we can't afford that stuff. Um, so with that being said, 
let's just we'll just we're just gonna go at it. So top three. So we'll start at three and then work our way up. So Chad, I'm gonna just start with you first because I always do. Uh, Yay! Give us give us your your third. Um, actually, let's do we'll do honorable mention first. So you did you pick an honorable mention? Well, I had an honorable mention, but since we moved it to the non John Williams thing, the non John Williams thing. That took my honorable mention. No problem. Um, actually, I can throw. I can uh, probably throw a throw an honorable mention in here. Um, actually, no, I can't. Right, right off the top. That's of fine. My we head. can come back to it. We'll start with come three. Come back to me. We'll do three, two, one. Then we'll do honorable mention. Sounds great. All right. Sounds so, great. so your third composer. My third composer. I'm going to throw out uh, Howard Shore. Cool. I like it. That's my. Uh, I know that he's mainly known for uh, the Lord of the Rings stuff, and mm-hmm. and I just thought that you know the and uh, and the Hobbit, and and not, maybe, no, let's not forget he also did a Twilight movie. Yeah, I, I, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. Yes, um, he did. Yeah, but uh, and and I'm pretty sure he phoned that in because he was waiting for the phone to ring for the Hobbit, and he just needed to pay a phone bill because it's yeah. not real good. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was not on my, my not on my list of movies to go with Howard Shore, but um, but Lord of the Rings is okay. Um, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna clump all. Well, I'm gonna clump two of them together. That's uh, fine. I'm Return doing of that. The King, I'm doing uh, that Return too. of the King, and and Fellowship of the, and the Fellowship. I'm gonna clump in there. That's you know that, that'll be two of them because, well, one winning Oscars for that. I mean, that's got to that's got to count for something, right? Of course it does. And then uh, for my other. Other film, I'm going to jump in the Wayback Machine. I want to throw Silence of the Lambs out there. That's a really good one, and it's very it's it's very ominous. And I had no idea that that was Howard Shore. I didn't either, but um, you listen to it, and it's like wow. I mean, you really. Um, I actually just saw it again, uh, maybe about I don't know five or six months ago with my wife. She had never seen it before, and and it's kind of like the first CSI or the first Criminal Minds. Yeah, it is very Criminal Minds. Um. But the music really makes that, I think. That's really good. I, 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 I legit didn't know that. It's a really creepy and good movie. And like I'm, I'm remembering back to the moments of the movie that just, like when she's down in the well and he's saying the creepy things, but the lotion in the bucket and stuff like that. You know, that those those discordant strings and stuff just really make you squirmy. Mm-hmm. Of course, Hannibal Lecter does that too, but... Yes, <laughs> thank you for the poly work. Um, uh, that's really those are man. I I can't disagree with that at all. I will say that um, um, to to, to echo what you said, the the uh, the Lord of the Rings stuff that he did was just, uh, I mean, for lack of a better word, was perfect. You know, I mean, just that, just the the main theme the da 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 i mean that just kind of you hear that and it's just iconic of of that whole series mm-hmm. and of course they use it you know pretty much throughout the that little theme uh the motive if you will yeah. uh throughout the whole film but i remember i remember heck the three of us playing golf in college you know <laughs> yeah we used to do we'd that. make the make the trek over the long par 3 uh uh through the valley and andrew uh, Andrew uh, Lejeune would just da, 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 every time, yeah. and it, it it was just because that was part of it. Oh yeah, that that fanfare is great. Whenever you hear the orcs come on and you get that trombone riff, 
Mm-hmm. You you knew that something usually bad was about to happen, and especially when you hear those trombones, and it's just it's very brassy. It's very, um, and then the elven parts are very ethereal. It's very lyrical and musical, and um, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it right now. Uh, I have Pandora on my iPhone that I keep in my office at work that I have on the film soundtrack score, film score, constantly playing in my office always, just because I. If I have words in my music, I'll type the words um, like in my email and I'll start typing the words to the songs. <laughs> um, so I have, uh, unfortunately, well, well, fortunately for Pandora, um, it's, it's, it's good and it's cheap and it's free. Unfortunately, they only have about three dozen songs or three dozen films that they can pull from. And so I hear Lord of the Rings a lot. Um, and that's okay. Uh, it just, I hear it a lot and, but still, every time that trombone riff gets on, I just I want to pick up a sword and go kill an orc. Um, fortunately, there are no orcs at the college I work at, so that's not a big deal. I'm actually going back into uh, looking at some of his other stuff that Howard Shore has done, stuff like Seven and The Client and Single oh, White yeah. Female. I mean, he's done some. He actually strip tease that thing you do. Yeah, wow. High Fidelity, um, Panic Room, uh, which is actually a pretty decent little film. The Aviator, Gangs of New York, which is really good. Those, that's I actually, saw that. It's a good movie. I don't, I don't remember anything of the score. It's a really good movie. Uh, it was supposed to have won Scorsese his Oscar, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember what got in the way, but something did. 2002, whatever, whatever won that year. Anyway. So Howard Shore, hey, man, good job. Uh, all right, Corny, your turn. All right. Uh, my number three, I'm going to go with uh, Harold Faltmeyer. Now, this is going to be weird because I, too, found out uh, just moments before we did the podcast that we were uh, changing a couple things. But um, Who? And I'll tell you why. Harold who? Harold Faltmeyer. Fault. I'm looking him up on IMDb. I don't see who he is. You're going to laugh, actually. I've never It'll make him. sense to you when you see it. I've never heard of this dude. I haven't either. Oh, you've heard of him. I've probably heard his music. I just don't know. You've heard it twice, actually. I know of. How do I spell his last name? F A L T M E Y E R. M E Y E R. This is great radio. I know. I'm sorry, guys. Go ahead, Corny. Talk. So, who's your All third? Right, so, my third guy again is uh, Harold Faltmeyer. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what you're going to find out is that uh, he, he, you know, he really hadn't done a ton, a ton of stuff that uh, you may know him for. But uh, I will say this. The reason why I chose him as my number three is because he actually did uh, the soundtrack to two of my top five movies. And while it may not be, uh, I guess, the best reasoning, it is going to be mine for the evening. That's fine. Uh, And so uh, those two movies would be Beverly Hills Cop (laughs) and uh, Top Gun. I know it's weird, but those two are, are my top, two of my top five of all time. Really? Uh, no, it's weird. Now, I don't know what it is, but now I will say this, and this is not intended to uh, d- deter you from your selection. <laughs> oh, I misspelled Faultmeyer. That's why. Um, that's Faultermeyer. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I would say that if anyone, if you said, "Sing me the Top Gun theme," everyone is going to sing "Danger Zone." that's what i would say (laughs) right but i think you're right that part was 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 faultmeyer but i think most people would also think of uh 
the danger zone and that other stupid song, take my breath away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which was, uh, what's his face? Um, all people are screaming at their iPods right now. What is his name? Not Brian Adams. No. Um, Tom Cruise. No, the co- he's a, he's a writer. He's a song writer. That's all he does. Uh, I can't think of the stupid freaking fracking nerf hurting, nerf hurting. So, <laughs> I got that in an email. It was great. Um, Giorgio, uh, no, give me a Tom, but, uh, go to go to your next people. I'll find it. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so you so Top Gun and which order are they in, or is that 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 your order? Oh no no that's uh that's just a. Uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm speaking doing, I'm doing top, my composer. So speaking no. of Top Gun, uh-huh. uh, did anybody ever play the old NES game Top Gun? Yeah, yes. It made me mad. Yeah, I could never get past docking with the with the with the plane, and I always died. I always got mad at that game, but I like the music in it. Right. <laughs> that was my dead air. Um, Kenny Loggins. That was there was, you go. That's what I was trying to think of. Sorry. Kenny Loggins? Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. You know who Kenny Loggins is. He did uh, Danger Zone. Yeah, he did Danger Zone and everything oh, yeah. else in the eighties and early nineties. Okay. There we go. I was like, he didn't do. All right, no, yeah, yeah. I was that was just who I was trying to get to. But yeah, so Harold Faltermeyer. Falt- yes, Faltermeyer. Yeah. Cool. So you so you said Top Gun and Cop and, and Beverly Hills Cop. What was your other one? Oh, uh, actually, it's gonna have to stop with those two. Oh, just, oh well, I mean, I can get another one, but um, oh, just. God, well, he's he's done some Beverly Hills Cop too. Uh, no, um, I'm kidding. Uh, uh, well, let's see. Let's let's look in here real quick. This, um, wow, he did some really terrible movies. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> You're not going to um, recognize him. Like much Cuffs. Else. Cuffs is a funny movie, but it's not very good. Um, I would you just throw Cop out in there because it's a funny movie, but it's not a very good soundtrack, but or score, but it's a funny yeah. movie. So okay, well, fine. There you go. He's your number three, and that is what it is. And and he, he those movies are good. Um, those movies are yeah, good. yeah. If it wasn't for that guitar rift and Top Gun, yeah, I mean, but you, you hear that thing, and you definitely want to go jump in the cockpit of the F fourteen and go buzz the tower. That's right, and make some man spill coffee all over himself twice, and make him want some butts. I want some butts. He's a trope. Yeah, we can't have tropes in this episode. That's sad. Oh well. All right, well, my third, my number three, uh, and I still have an honorable mention, so sorry. Uh, so my number three would be Jerry Goldsmith. That's my honorable mention. And um, he wrote a lot of good stuff. Now, um, he was kind of in that age where he wrote a lot of stuff in the 70s and 80s when people were doing crap with synthesizers and very 80s and 70s crap. So a lot of his stuff... Like, I don't know, a lot of his movies that he did had that weird kind of electronic sound, and I hate that. And I really do. To me, a, a film score is, is, is done with an orchestra. Um, that's just me. So, you know, that like that like Flash Gordon soundtrack done by Queen, to me, is that's a soundtrack. It's not a score. Anyway, so my number three uh, Jerry Goldsmith film would be Air Force One, that military beat the snare drums and uh and it's just, it's a good movie i think it's a fun movie obviously um harrison ford and he has that one great one liner where he says get off my plane and then he kills gary oldman spoiler uh the air force one 
My number two would be Rudy. Whenever that horn section gets going and the, that, that, that melody starts playing, I definitely want to go tackle somebody. I just, I like that movie, Rudy. It's just, it's a good movie, obviously, but the soundtrack, it just, it gets me going. Like, that's the soundtrack I want to do when I'm doing chores, because it'll motivate me to do chores. Like, I really don't want to go dust the TV. Rudy, all right. Not only am I going to dust it, but I'm going to, it's going to be the Super Bowl of dusting. So, um, and then my, the dust bowl, yes. Thank you. Nice. And then my number one has to be Star Trek. Um, and some of you who might be actual Star Trek nerds will say, well, yeah, he wrote, he did the motion picture, but Alexander Courage actually wrote the original theme. Then I would say to you, yes, he did. But Alexander Courage and Jerry Goldsmith were actually buddies. And Gene Roddenberry actually wanted Goldsmith to write the theme. And Goldsmith couldn't because of whatever, but said, here's my buddy Alexander Courage. He knows his stuff. So that's kind of how that there's that there's that connection. But Jerry Goldsmith also wrote the score for the motion picture five. I think he did nemesis, not nemesis. He did um, first contact and insurrection and he did the next generation and Voyager and deep space nine. So you think star Trek in scores, you think Jerry Goldsmith, I know James Warner had a couple of good films and star Trek two and three, but um, Jerry Goldsmith. Con. Right. So uh, did I pick him just because of star Trek? No, but I think those Star Trek scores are all great and wonderful in their own right. And um, <laughs> I'll punch you in the face uh, if you say otherwise. Um, that's the one really cool thing about this type of uh, discussion is that this is completely our own opinions. There's no right or wrong answer except and whatever. there's nothing you can do about it. Except, <laughs> except for whatever Sam would say. His, his opinion is wrong. That's um, true. It is true. And since he's not denying it, then yeah, it's true. That's right. And... Um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, so we're now we're on to our, to number two. You okay, Corny? Yep. 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 Okay. <laughs> so it just sounded like you tap dancing on his microphone. Right. Um, so, I have the most sensitive microphone in the world, folks. I'm so sorry. <laughs> number two, Chad. Number two, Hans Zimmer. There you go. That's my number two. And I, I actually, you know, for a, for this, I, I, I was kind of torn, um, but I, I really had to go with with Hans Zimmer as, a, as my number two guy. Sure. Um, and then going from uh, in my third place movie, um, I, I went with The Lion King. There you actually. go. That's oddly enough where I have that in my Hans Zimmer list ah. as the number three. I also didn't mention it, by the way, but going back, my honorable mention for Jerry Goldsmith, the number four, was Mulan. Anyway. Continue, nice. Continue, please. Sorry. And then I went with number two, um, Gladiator. Sure. And some people may say, well, Gladiator and, and my number one would have been uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. But And then some people say, well, Pirates of the Caribbean and Gladiator are like the same score. The same score. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, maybe. But, you know, I think that they're. It, it's two different feel feeling things to me. I, I will say this. I want to talk about this for a second before you get to your number one, unless you've already said it. But Gladiator. I said it. Oh, you did say Pirates of the Caribbean? I did say Pirates of the Caribbean. So that is your number one. That is my number and one. And by Pirates of the Caribbean, you mean two, three, and four. 
not Pirates of the Caribbean. The Curse Correct. of the Black Pearl. Because the first one, yes, is Klaus. Uh, Klaus Badelt, or however you pronounce his Badelt. name. Yeah, and uh, he had worked on a bunch of other films with Hans Zimmer, and they he was kind of like the protege. Right. And, and Klaus has gone to do some other fine films. But uh, if you've ever listened to Gladiator, especially the scene when uh, the, he's in the ring, he's in the ring a lot, but I mean in the um, the first big battle where he's in the, the Roman Coliseum where he's with the other troops, and they're, they're coming at him with all the, the chariots. If you literally turn your TV off and just listen to that, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Klaus, oh, yeah. Klaus Bledelt said, hey, that's a good score. So I'm going to use that. Is that okay, Hans? Yeah, sure, whatever. No one's going to watch this Pirates of the Caribbean thing. It's about a movie ride. No one's going to care. Or a, a theme park ride. Yeah. And then that movie was extremely successful. And that, that soundtrack made him a lot of, lot of money. Um, fortunately... Disney said, hey, for the next Pirates movie, we want actually Hans Zimmer for it. Uh, and he was able to tweak the theme enough. So right. I get what you're saying. And, I mean, gosh, Gladiator was nominated for an Oscar for the soundtrack. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's a beautiful soundtrack. But I think actually my number one would probably have to be Inception. Mm. Right, with the big dong. Yeah. Sorry, uh, it does sure. that a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, there's my three. Okay, so you okay, so you did Lion King and then Pirates of the Caribbean slash Gladiator, Gladiator. and then your number one would be Inception. Mm-hmm. That's, I like that. Inception's a good movie. The score really does make it. It makes a really epic movie sound way more epic. Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense um, grammatically, but yeah, I, I I I can't disprove that one. Freaking bit. So I guess I know who your number one composer is. Uh, Corny, your turn. Number two. Yeah, you probably. My number two is going to be uh, Michael Giacchino. There you go. And uh, you will know him from uh, my number. Sorry. Well, my my number three uh, is going to be uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Okay. Good movie. Good good score. My number Shakespeare two. My number two is going to be Star Trek: Into Darkness. All right. John John John. Which, which I will say, I um, Star Trek Into Darkness versus the Star Trek 09, the Into Darkness soundtrack is better. It gets really good. I'm just saying, it's better than the 09 one, which is a good soundtrack. Which, by the way, Corny, just side note, I, uh-huh. bought, I bought, my dad is at that age now where, um, for like the last maybe 10 years, really, he's been in this, this um, vinyl is the only way to listen to stuff, to stuff <laughs> So for Christmas... He was totally amazed because he did not realize that that new things were still being pressed into vinyl because it's kind of making this weird kind of comeback for some reason. And the Into Darkness score is on vinyl. So I bought it for Dad. Um, no, that's not true. I bought him the Blade Runner soundtrack, and then he somehow stumbled onto the Into Darkness soundtrack. So I've actually been over to his house and listened to it on record, and it's still awesome. So... Um, mm. I definitely, actually yeah, pretty so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's actually, if the next time you actually get a chance, if we ever can actually go to my parents' house and listen to it in his very nice listening room that he spent a lot of money on just to listen to, um, the, the John Harrison theme, you know, Khan's theme, uh, it's really, really just, um, it's, it's almost emotionally overwhelming just to listen into that room. Um, anyway, sorry. The, the the nerd is seeping out into the microphone. I apologize. So that was your number two. So into it was darkness. my number two. Yeah. So I, I get take a guess at my number one. Um, 
Michael Giacchino, number one, I would say Incredibles. You are 100% correct. Yeah. That, uh, for me, um, you've got your your jazz elements. Uh, it's just so – I'll put it this way. Uh, when I was – for a couple of years, I was actually a brand director like Chad. Uh, I gave up because I was – you know, I, I didn't have the fortitude that Chad has. But oh, in I the time a, that I was <laughs> – I have a, a inner wheel plus five fortitude. <laughs> all, right. all right that's it that's a yeah that's plus five fortitude nice but anyway uh but with that tune i i watched incredibles for the first time and i fell in love with the movie i fell in love with the soundtrack as a band director i thought well it would be great if they had an arrangement of this of course and they, they they do and i bought it and Dude. even as a band arrangement for you know younger kids it still had a lot of the same punch and because of that, it really just uh, it became something that I really liked. So, um, Did, anyway. didn't we march this at App? We did Incredible. actually. It was uh, yeah. one of our uh, where, where was Chad our, was actually a drum major. Chad, were you the drum major that year? No, it was the year wait, after wait. we. It was the year after we graduated. It was the year after most of us graduated. I played yeah, in that. I though. was a little bit behind. <laughs> we didn't play. No, we didn't play Incredibles. It was the uh, spa show. Yeah, we played Incredibles. Did we? I have yeah. distinct memory going. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, we played. Oh that. yeah. Because what did I? What did I conduct? You. You got. Um... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is the time or place for this part of, in the podcast, but <laughs> it's not. The That's... three of us were. In case you don't know, the three of us all went to Appalachian State University. It's a small little college in the hills of North Carolina, and we all three of us were in the marching band for an extended period of time. And of course, Chad was our drum major for I think two years. Two one seasons. year, one season should have been two. Well, whatever. Still yeah. sore about that. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> Go on. Um, and so I remember distinctly marching this. That I had. There were two shows that I remember of five years of marching band. I know marching band nerd. You can say it if you want. Again, I was a music major. Um, uh, the two shows that I remember distinctly were this show and the John Williams show. Oh, <laughs> so I mean, um, there you go. So yeah, Incredibles. It's a great score. You're right, Corny. You were just the point you were making is that it's that you've got that jazz feel. It's got that it's got that Mission Impossible feel along with that James Bond feel. I mean, Michael Giacchino basically said, "I'm going to take the action stars scores of the last fifty years and I'm going to mold it into one awesomeness." And he and he was right. <laughs> it's so good. Was it nominated for an Oscar? If it wasn't, it should have been. Um, I think it was. I'll be honest with you. You I don't think, think it was? was? I don't think it was, to be honest. I'm really interested to know if it was or not because I'll I'll, uh, I'll look it up while you. Uh... Yeah, please do, because it was just so freaking awesome. I know he's only excuse me. I know he's only won one Oscar, um, for yeah he won for Up. Uh, he wasn't nominated for that. Man, someone is asleep at the wheel. I, that, that, might have, that actually kind of pisses me off a little bit. It really does. Nerd rage that, engaged. Man, because that movie was so. He won. He won an ASCAP award for The Incredibles, but who freaking cares? I mean, I'm sure he does, but yeah, he's only been nominated for two Academy Awards: Ratatouille and one for Up. That seems and, wrong and to me. Incredibles was uh, incredibly a much. I think a much better movie than Ratatouille and. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, truth be told, I, I actually almost want to, um, 
I tell you what, Corey, do me this, do me this favor while I'm doing my number two. All I right. want you to look up because uh, The Incredibles came out in '04. I want you to look up the 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 the, nom- the, the Academy Awards for '04 and let me know what was nominated and what won in '04. Because I would be really interested to know what beat out that soundtrack because that soundtrack was so freaking good. I'm trying to think of what came out in 04 that was so – did Return of the King come out in 04? Uh, let's see. You're going to have – Oh, if you're already there, then we can just keep going on it because I'm really interested to know that. Best original score, Passion of the Christ, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Well, it's John Williams, of course, is going to get nominated. Yeah, and let's see. Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events and, and The Village. The Village The Village score is not that good. Wasn't that Howard Shore? No, that was... Uh, that was uh, James Newton Howard. Yeah, he does fine work. I don't know. I don't... I, 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 I've actually never seen The Passion of the Christ, so I can't comment on the score, but... It was... Uh, it did win Best Animated Feature. Oh, Between Shrek Two and Shark Tale. Well, again, that's Pixar. If Pixar puts anything out. If they could, they could literally create a a, a two hour or an hour and a half video of um, the lamp jumping up and down. Yeah, people. Yeah. It would be an Oscar winning <laughs> thing. I mean, really, because Pixar is just they can do no wrong. That makes me a little sad. Uh, we should just go create our own Oscar and just mail it to Giacchino. Um, I think we'd be arrested immediately. Ten, ten years too late. Um, so I'm sorry, Giacchino. You should have won. Michael, you're you're freaking awesome. We could call it an Oscar, but, but with a K. Oscar. Is that like a, an Oscar? Yeah. Oscar. Sounds like a Soviet Russian thing. All right. Well, my number two was I'm pretty sure it's Chad's number one is Danny Elfman. Yes. Yes. Okay. Danny Elfman. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've always been a big fan of his kind of sideways feeling music. His um, his music is fun and always energetic, and it, it always kind of makes you a little not uneasy is not the right word, but it's um, it's just different. You know, he just he he sees the world differently than I think most people. And that's what makes him and Tim Burton work so well together, I think. Um, and last week's episode, I actually we talked, uh, we actually talked about uh, Danny Elfman, um, and I was making references to other movies that he's done that weren't what I would consider Danny Elfman type movies. Uh, and and one of my examples of that would be my kind of honorable mention for him would be. You're right, Corny. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> I keep asking because it's it sounds like you're Dum. you're yeah Dum. yeah um doing something. Uh, Ork has uh, found me and I'm currently hiding. What? Who? <laughs> Ork huh? has found me and I'm currently hiding. Oh, that's his step. You hear? Uh, that sounds creepy and, and ominous, and I'm sorry. Uh, okay. So his so my honorable mention for Danny Elfman would be Spider Man, the to- the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. he did that score, and I. I remember when that movie came out and I thought to myself, it doesn't have a theme that you can hum. You know, like a lot of the superhero movies had themes that you can hum to yourself. Right. Like well, to go to John Williams, like, like Superman. Superman. Exactly. You think yeah. of Superman, bomb, but you can hum that. But the news that, but that Spider-Man didn't really have a theme that you can hum, but it's so, 
for a superhero movie, I thought it was really clever and kind of subtle while still being impactful and still kind of epic feeling. I'm going to use that word a lot, and I try not to overuse that word. And I'm an epic as in grandness and scope. The movie feels larger than life, and that's what I mean. I'm not just being like, oh, hey, you made that, you threw that piece of paper and made it in the trash can. That's epic. That's not what I mean here. Uh, I'm literally mean in the, in, the, in the sense of the term that it is bigger than life. Anyway, so Spider-Man is my number four, my honorable mention. My number three is Beetlejuice. I love the <laughs> film. The score is so cool. It's all, most of it's on piano, and he's just going nuts on that thing at the beginning of the movie. You hear that soundtrack. It's time for Halloween, man. And let's, let's get Michael Keaton dressed up in a prison outfit and give him some weird hair and makeup and let's go. I like Beetlejuice. Uh, I don't think Chad is going to have a, a disagreement on anything I'm about to say on this list. Uh, in fact, I might even say his list. I'm sorry, Chad. Number okay. two would be Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a great. Really, you're throwing that as number two? Yeah. Okay. Oh, the I, gauntlet has been thrown. Hold on, calm down. All right. <laughs> I, Go ahead. I'm, I'm just. No. Okay. I'm going off of the score. Okay. Okay. Just okay. the score, okay. which obviously it's a musical-ish movie, so obviously the words and singing also count part of it too. But as the score itself, it's still a great movie. It's still a fun score. I really like it. It's it me again in the mood for Halloween and Christmas. Uh, it's just one of those movies that works. We've talked about this movie in the past on our other top threes. Danny Elfman, uh, that movie's just great. I like it. And he sings the part of Jack Skellington, which is really yes. cool. Yes, he does. But my number one Danny Elfman, and Chad, you may disagree. Uh, you probably have at this point, actually. But my number one would be Batman. Michael Keaton's Batman. To me, between Batman and Spider-Man, you think, or Superman, you think of the two kind of quintessential DC superhero movies that have film scores that you can hum. And Batman is, is probably my favorite between the two. I love Superman, but I love that Batman theme, that dark and brooding and, um, and uh, aggressive theme with those low strings. And you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? That's just something I say of all my prey. Uh, I just like the score. It just makes me happy. Uh, I have it on my, my phone. Uh, so, uh, Chad, you have a re rebuttal? I know you're going to probably mention Danny Elfman in your number one segment, which we're it, getting, it, getting ready to get to. So we can go ahead and transition to there if we want. Um, actually, um, of the three of th your three that you plugged in there, mm -hmm. um, actually, you had a I, I definitely had a fourth, yeah. You had a fourth. Um, of your four, three of them are in my top four. Um, I'm going to actually throw in Sleepy Hollow into that into that mix oh, yeah. as well. That's good, yeah. Um, I, and I didn't even mention it because I can't remember it, but I remember liking it. But I can't re I can't put it in my head right now. I remember I had a uh, I had a movie poster of Sleepy Hollow in my in my uh, in my bedroom back home, mm -hmm. and I, I remember that I liked it so much, um, and I liked the I liked the music from it. Uh, back then, of course, it's been years since I've seen it, mm -hmm. but um, but but in my in my my top four, um, Beetlejuice was number four, mm -hmm. um, Sleepy Hollow was three, Batman came actually came in as two, mm -hmm. um, minus Prince, of course. Well, again, <laughs> not talking that at all, just the score, just the score. Oh, that still pisses me off. And then uh, number one, later, twenty years later, whatever it is. <laughs> 
the number one was Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my... I mean, just to kind of make a, another point, which I think Chad and I are basically on the same page with this, definitely, that, that Nightmare Before Christmas is such a beloved film, at least in this house, that I actually have a poster of it in my office here in the studio. Uh, it's behind me over my left shoulder. Um, it, I, I, I walk in... My office is filled with movie posters. I have Star Trek, Star Wars... And then I have Nightmare Before Christmas, The Lion King, and Fantasia. And that's all I can see currently. Um, and then my diploma. Uh, so, or my, <laughs> my, my degree from that. Uh, but yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean, it's just, I just, Danny Elfman, he's just, he's just a national treasure. I don't know. I just, I, I like everything that he does. I mean, in fact, I think it's interesting, Chad, that, of the uh, with the six or seven or the five or six movies that you and I talked about, we haven't mentioned the one that he won an Oscar for. That's true. Which was Big Fish. Um, now, I, and I like the soundtrack in that one too. It's it's not very uh, Danny Elfman though. It, yeah, it's it's not. It was, I mean, it, was that a Tim Burton film too? Yes. Okay, because it, it it definitely had. It was a bright Tim Burton film. It was. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it was just weird. But you're right. Yeah. It, it was very. It was very bright in the sense that the over, the overall story is very. Um, I mean, Edward Scissorhands was kind of. I mean, a, it was uplifting, a, but at the same time, it was very dark. It's a dark story. Um, and even Big Fish, the whole for all intents and purposes, Big Fish is about a guy who's who's dying. Mm-hmm. But it's about this uplifting story of a man, a son and a father reuniting after all these years and reconnecting. And uh, truth be told, it's actually it's actually the original How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I never thought about it like that, but that's what it is. It's a man telling a story about how I met your mother. Holy cow. Just yeah. not nearly as funny and way more embellished, which is the point. Right. Um how about this? Here's a throwback. Corny, you didn't have Danny Elfman in your top three, did you? Actually, I, I would have, but because Chad is a part of this conversation, I, I opted not to. <laughs> right. How about how about this for a throwback? If you've ever seen the kind of cult, cult classic movie, The Army of Darkness, he didn't do the score. He wrote the, the march. He wrote the march. That the Deadites come into before they attack the castle. Really? Yeah, he wrote just the march. Um, and it... It screams Danny Elfman. Uh, even be, this was, and this was that movie came out like what ninety one, I think. So he he had already done Batman, so he was a high commodity. That's why they're like, hey, we can't afford you for the whole movie. Can you just write about a three minute march? He's like, sure, I got nothing to do between making millions of dollars between Batman One and Batman Returns. So <laughs> it was just a little fun little tidbit for it. I mean you could have looked that up on IMDB but well he's also written um some uh non score non uh film related scores. Hmm. Um he was in a band. Um yeah oh yeah he was in oh, a yeah. band yeah. Oingo Oingo Boingo. Boingo. Yeah. Oingo Boingo. And by the way uh if uh if those of you who are unfamiliar with Oingo Boingo um uh, go check out Little Girls and your life will be ruined. It's a <laughs> yeah it's a pretty uh awful song. Yeah. But he's a um, weird dude. But yeah, the piece that there's a piece of music that he wrote um, for orchestra. Um, oh yeah, he actually wrote Tell a couple of this. things, and it's I mean it's very Danny Elfman. I mean, pretty much it's 
it's it's dark and it's creepy and um not scary just kind of just slightly i think sean you said sideways Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really good way of thinking about his type of music is just it's it's not straightforward it it kind of goes off in these little zigzags and and it makes you feel a little uncomfortable at times and yeah um and kind of brings you back into it and 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 i think that's what makes him very unique and and uh yeah. and just that just that popular yeah I, I, again i i you 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 could have mentioned all of the danny elfman films that i didn't mention and i would would have been a thousand percent with you just because he's just done such good stuff and i, I just I, I don't know if john williams weren't a thing like if he didn't exist then like Danny Elfman would probably be my favorite composer. Probably. I don't know. Uh, oh, he, just, I, uh... I, I, I obviously didn't write him as my number one, but um, cause we haven't gotten there yet. So anyway, so Chad, so, so you wrote that. So Danny Elfman's definitely number one. We, so we talked, I mean, he did corpse bride, which is still a good movie. Um, yeah. He did the Simpsons theme. Okay. I mean, that, that, I mean the Simpsons theme. Okay. Let's just, I mean, how many times have you hummed that thing? What about um, the, uh, the actual Batman, the animated series, he yeah. did that right. Yeah, and then we then we get into now. He's also done some like Men in Black is another really fun one that he did, and it's I mean it's just again that's a movie that just all three of those just scream Danny Elfman, um, and they're very the first one definitely is very Tim, a Tim Burton film, but then he does movies like Real Steel, where it's kind of a feel good movie, and so the the soundtrack has that kind of. That kind of I don't want to use the word generic, but it just has that that just kind of normal soundtrack feel of a movie that's about a dad and a kid and giant robots, you know, robots <laughs> boxing each other. But but you know, like there's nothing super rock'em. special, Danny. Yeah, it's Rock'em Sock'em rock'em, 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 Robots. That's literally what the movie is. Um, but it's it's nothing nothing that screams, oh, this is Danny Elfman, except maybe a, a moment or two. But he's still doing good stuff like that. He did the soundtrack for Hitchcock. Uh, where where Will Smith is flying through stuff. Again, that's not one where I go, it's a kind of a superhero movie, but again, it's not one I scream, it's Danny Elfman, but he's still doing good stuff. He did um, Oz the Great and Powerful, which is a really good score. Um, and, and to me, that one actually kind of screams Danny Elfman. Uh, but it's also a Sam Raimi film, and they like to work together a lot too. Um, so yeah, he's done, I mean, just, I don't know. I, I could probably, we could probably spend... Literally, we could probably spend an hour podcast between Danny Elfman and John Williams. Just oh, absolutely, uh, but I don't want to do that. So, so you got your so so, Corny, you're on to your number one guy. Okay, well, because I had to uh, avoid uh, Danny Elfman because literally we could have mm-hmm. gone on forever. Um, I'm going to go with John Powell, mm-hmm. and uh, right, you will know him of such things. Um, well, actually, he has. He has so many to- so many movies uh, where he- he's done the composing that I I really can't lower it down. So I'll just give it uh, I'll give it a go here. Um, number three, I'm gonna go with Drumline. I will. I didn't realize it, but <laughs> he did uh, some of the work for Drumline. And as much as I hate that movie, uh, there there's some of the you know some of the non mm-hmm. uh, pop stuff was actually kind of nice. Um, I-, I will say this before you keep going. John Powell yeah. is the the greatest music comp- film composer you've never heard of. That that's how I that's I think in fact either Corny or or Ch- Sam 
I had this conversation about John Powell when I discovered him in another movie that you probably are going to mention. And I was like, oh my God. And I looked at his film score credits and I thought, holy cow, all of these films are really, really good. And I've never heard of this dude. All right, so continue. But this, in my opinion, he's like one of the most underrated film composers of this generation. So, sorry. So, so, so number three is Drumline. Number three is Drumline. Um, and this is going to be my number two because they, these are all equally, uh, in my opinion, good. Um, Face Off, right. The Born, The Born Everything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's say for the last movie. And then Kung Fu Panda. Yeah. Those three are, I mean, they, they all have their, their, um, their different things, but you know, it's still just, uh, can't decide which one I'd like to be my number two. Mm-hmm. Probably, probably the born identity. We'll just go with that first one. That's fine. Uh, and then last but not least, I know Sean will be very pleased with this one, but how to train your how dragon, to train your dragon. God. Holy crap. That is an awesome score. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's like, uh, a little bit of, Lord of the Rings without the without as much epicness it's it's scaled back but it's got so much fun uh, in the melody uh, in, in the melodies that you hear when uh, uh, Toothless is flying with uh, Legless uh, <laughs> Legless that's not his name Hiccup. Legless oh no no he, he lost a you know a leg or well, foot really yeah. but you know Hiccup is his name but yes yes anyway um, but anyway it's such a it's such a fun movie. And the scores, right? And in all honesty, uh, I wouldn't have thought about this, but when we got to talking and, and, and hearing Sean's voice as he's talking about his things, I thought it made me think of How to Train Your Dragon. And then all of a sudden, the uh, track is playing in my head, and I was like, "Holy crap! I can't believe I didn't think about this." So there you go. How to Train Your Dragon? Um, I can't get enough of that score, and I drive my wife and people at work crazy with that soundtrack and that movie. Um, that movie might be top 10 with for me. I love that movie. That soundtrack should have won the Oscar that year. I'm just going to say it. He was up against two other films, Sherlock Holmes that Hans Zimmer wrote and a guy who I don't even know his freaking name who won for uh, the social network. And I have watched that movie and that soundtrack is not that good. The movie is really good, but the soundtrack is not the score is unremarkable and it pissed me off that that thing won because uh, for whatever reason we can't give it to a kid's film it pissed me off so much but when i said that he does stuff like he's the greatest composer you've never heard of he did kung fu panda and kung fu panda 2 and how to train your dragon 2 and 3 and he did let's see a couple of the ice age movies and he did rio and he did X-Men, um, the last stand, X-Men, the last stand night and day, um, the green the Italian job bolt, um, wait. Shrek. Uh, actually he did Hancock. What did I say? The other guy did Danny Elfman. I said, Hitch- I said the wrong name. He did another movie. He did Hitchcock. Sorry. He did Hancock, uh, Kung Fu Panda. I said that jumper Horton. Here's a who PS. I love you. The born series, happy feet, Mr. And Mrs. Smith. Be cool, Mister Three Thousand. Paycheck, that crappy film Geely, The Italian Job, <laughs> Two Weeks Notice, uh, The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Also a terrible film, but not his fault. Also known as The Fall of Eddie Murphy. Right. Uh, Rat Race, which is a hilarious, stupid film. Evolution, Chicken Run, Road to El Dorado, Forces of Nature, Ants, 
Oh yeah. <laughs> the the uh the DreamWorks knockoff of Bugs Life and Face Off, which was kind of his first film. I mean this guy has is incredible. And and he's a kind of a he's a well, he's he's kind of a young dude. He's uh he's about fifty, sixty now. He's always younger than that. I mean he's forty fifty three. Fifty one. He's fifty one. My math is right. Um but yeah, How to Train Your Dragon still makes me upset that he didn't win the Oscar for that. He should have, um, and that was what he was. Nom- that's the only Oscar he's been nominated for. I-, I have a feeling he's going to have a chance. I love How to Train Your Dragon. That score makes me happy. But yeah, How to Train Your or I meant to say Kung Fu Panda. But yeah, obviously How to Train Your Dragon. That the score just, um, mm. so good. And I wish I, w- I really just want to play some for you right now. I mean, I just. Uh, in fact, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to do it. I mean, you, and you can't stop me. Um, abort, abort. Nope, can't do it. Uh, I mean, I just, my fingers are punching the buttons if I can eventually get there. This punching of the buttons is brought to you by YouTube. Uh, it's actually not YouTube. It's actually my <laughs> what's on my iPad. Brought to you by Sean's iPad. Breaking copyright law. I mean. Since 1972. Don't you hear that and just get freaking excited about something? I like it. Anyway, I don't want to get too much because, again, I don't want to get into any danger. Sean's iPad, not breaking copyright law (laughs) since 2014. Yes, that's right. Let's hope not. Um, Anyway, John Powell, he was actually my honorable mention, truth be told. Um, uh, Actually, that's not true. I actually wrote wrote two honorable mentions. I wrote an honorable mention composer and then – just one film score as an honorable mention, and I wrote How to Train Your Dragon. Um, so there you go. Thank you, Corny. Uh, I guess it's my turn. So my number one was, I think Chad's number two, is Hans Zimmer. Uh, I love Hans Zimmer, and I, as I'm looking at my list, I realize that I left one off. Um, so I'm actually going to scratch off my number four, which I have as Pearl Harbor. So I'm throwing it out the window. Sorry, Ben Affleck. Your movie is actually not that bad. People say it is terrible, but it's actually not that bad. And your score is pretty good. I'm taking that one off and throwing in Crimson Tide. Yes. Okay. Yes. I can't believe I... No. Not not, not on the run October. Make it show. <laughs> I know. I just felt like... Crimson Tide. <laughs> where, where Gene Hackman and, and Denzel Washington yell at each other for two hours. All right. All right. Let's sink this ship. That's right. And, and Viggo Mortensen, uh, Aragorn, pushes the button that doesn't end the world. Crimson Tide, great film score. Um, I think Crimson Tide is really what put Hans Zimmer on the map. Um, and I, and I want to get technical for a second. When we think John Williams, all of John Williams, John Williams writes all, all of his scores in that classical style where your trumpets and your high strings and your clarinets and your, your upper wind instruments, your upper voices, always have the melody. And then your mid voices have the, usually the counter or supporting, and then your lows have the bass. It's the support, the foundation. Hans Zimmer said, you know what? I'm going to turn this this idea upside down. And he gave the strings, the high stuff, the foundation, and he put the melody and the cellos and the double basses, and it was freaking awesome. Listening to Crimson Tide that has a euphonium solo, which is the instrument that I played, in in a film score, I mean that that never happens. But there's a euphonium score, except it actually happened in the 007, the original one. But anyway, 
So, yeah, Crimson Tide, I mean, just gets me fired up. Obviously, I'm impassioned just talking about it. My number three, that's, that's number four, my honorable mention. Number Roll three tide. is Roll Tide. Go Bama. Number three is Lion King. Again, it's a great score. I know that Elton John did Can You Hear Feel the Love Tonight, but the score itself is powerful and, and fun and everything that Chad already said. Number two, I actually wrote Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3 slash Gladiator. I did the same thing that Chad did. <laughs> because to me, they're almost the same film. I mean, I could probably take selections from both movies and flip them into the other movie, and you would never know. And then for number, my number one, and and it's weird how this works out because you would think that my number one composer with my number one score would be my number one favorite score of all time. Um, I actually like some of the Star Trek stuff better than I like what I'm about to tell you, but that's just kind of how the way it worked out. Does that make sense? No, not at all, but yeah, go ahead. No, uh, no does that no, really not make sense? It makes sense to me. Like, like Hans Zimmer's my, of the three non-John Williams films, he's my favorite composer, but this film is my favorite Hans Zimmer score, and that's the Sherlock Holmes score. I love yes. the score. It's... In fact, if you would have told me it was Danny Elfman, I would have believed you because the way it just kind of it's off kilter and kind of that uh, what's that that phrase hackneyed that that the when the when the British talk like this I can't do it uh, but you know, yeah that Cockneyed accent like the music sounds Cockneyed to me <laughs> and it makes it real fun and energetic and it's exciting and um, and there's obviously there's the love moments in it and it's very m- melodic but I I think. The Star Trek The Motion Picture is probably a better score to me than that. But you see how it works. See what I'm saying? How it kind of works out. So I love the Sherlock Holmes uh, with Robert Downey Jr. Both of the movies um, are both good. I think they're both really, really good movies. But the scores are just, they're so fun. And um, I don't know what that string, I don't know, it's not a banjo, but it's some type of plucking instrument that he's using in that in that movie that just makes me so fun. So, so there you go. So there's our top three non John Williams films. So we're, uh, we're about an hour into this now. So I want to take the next, maybe 20 to 30 minutes and we're just going to give praise to John Williams, right? Are we good with that? Sure. Good. Okay, good. Cause that's what we're going to do. And I'm driving. So, <laughs> so John Williams, what more can we say about basically and now you can argue with me if you want. Like I said, you can if you want, but feel free to. I think John Williams is America, the United States, second greatest composer of all time. And Go yeah. on. You're waiting for the shoe to drop for me to say who the number one is. Is that what, you, is that, what that noise was? Uh, I think it was the shock. good. I wouldn't put him as... You don't think so? You don't think I, 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 I wouldn't put him that high? I'm talking about the the entire history of America. No matter what genre of of composers, he is the United States' second best composer to have been born here of of anything. Number one to me is Aaron Copland. Is number okay. one. Okay. John Williams be number two, and then three would have to be Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein. And then you can go down from there, but that's I'm not, just, going, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, Corny, you have any qualms with that? I, only, only in the sense that I. Gershwin. Mm. Gershwin will probably be number four. 
I, well, I, I would, or, or maybe with Bernstein, you can maybe flip a coin on that. I include John Williams high, but my thought on jazz and jazz being, you know, such a, a, a really crucial part of sure. how our music is, or American quote quote music is formed. I, I know John Williams is a, is a great composer, I, I, but I think of his music as, you know, borrowed elements of other genres. Granted, that's what jazz is, but jazz is a little bit more. Uh, so I guess in other words, I maybe not in the top, Three, but definitely in the top six. Okay. <laughs> so you'd probably put someone like Coltrane or... Um, no, um, I actually had... Uh, <clears throat> Duke, when he actually wrote his own stuff, Duke sure. Ellington, when he actually wrote his own stuff, so he, he, he stole a lot of things and did a lot of arrangements, but uh, some of his actual original works were pretty neat. Uh, but just in terms of an American... Anyway, you, you see what I'm saying. It's, I do. It's, no, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's what this... this what, I mean, Again, this is completely subjective. I mean... Um, yeah, I mean, I would think that... I mean, I, I, if you if you just took the music out, out of the context, mm-hmm. um, you know, I def, definitely the music does... can stand on its own. Um, I think that... John Williams has proven that that's that's not in question. But uh, to say that he's, he, I I would put him in the top ten. But I think that putting him in the top, you know, top three, I think is a little is a little over. All right, I mean, we, I, and I can, we're going we're, we're going to disagree on that, and that's and that's fine, and that's fine. And 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 I'm hearkening, but no, no, I'm hearkening <laughs> back to my own music and my own music um, history. And and I might have even overstepped. I, I probably should have said, truth be told, I might even recant and say, we'll put him in the top five because I, I, I don't know how, but somehow I forgot John Philip Sousa in there. And and I can't not put him in the top five of, of this country's greatest composers. Washington um, Irvin. Um, right. Um, you know, the I, I think that, just yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight you or, because yeah, you know we're just, he, he's a great composer, and that's just that's All just right. and right, and again we're, t- we're 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 getting to a point where because, um, Aaron Copeland wrote for one type of genre, and that was just you know classical music, and, Americana basically, right, and then John Williams is writing for film scores, and John right. Philip Sousa wrote for circus marches. So we're obviously comparing apples, apples and, and oranges. oranges, but we're still the, we're still comparing fruit. Does that make sense? We're not yeah, comparing. Actually, yeah, very much so. We're not comparing donuts to tires. Okay, just because yeah, they're hungry. round, uh, and yeah, one makes you hungry. Um, actually, I could go for some donuts right now. Hmm. Right, guys, I'll see you later. Yeah, see, I'm going to go to Krispy Kreme. Um, so anyway, so that that could be a discussion. Well, actually, it probably won't ever be a discussion on this podcast any other time. But I just wanted to throw it out there. And stir the pot a little bit. And if you don't find this podcast interesting at all, we're sorry. Come back next week and we'll do Pulp Fiction. But I, I did want to... Um, the path of the righteous man will find that one interesting. That's right. <laughs> nice. Uh, not only Say can, nice again! Not only can Chad misquote <laughs> the Bible, but so can uh, Quentin Tarantino. So so John Williams. So we're, we're going to talk about that for a second. So I, I know I think... Corny, did you write kind of like your top few John Williams films? Uh, did you do some? Yeah, yeah, but I, I kinda, well, I mean, I I know them, but I didn't really write them down. Okay, Only well, in the I, sense that I have to I'm probably going to change my mind. I'm going to change my mind as we go. Um, 
Superman would be. Let's not my put Jurassic one. Park in there just to piss Sam off. Well, oh, I actually, I actually put Jurassic Park as my number four. <laughs> as my, I, I actually did do a top three, which was so freaking hard, you know, because uh, I think the three of us can all agree um, of just film composers. He's probably the greatest of all time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, if you want to, if you want to, if you're a sports guy like the like that, we I think the three of us kind of are. Let's just compare stats. He's won five Oscars. All right, let's just throw that out there for a second, and you go, well, gosh, five Oscars. I mean, you know, we've known we've known people that have won more more than that. Well, sure. Sorry, my computer just went to sleep. Wake up. It's the computer that records stuff. I don't want it to. Sorry. And we're back. Um, he's won that five. Back. I know. I'm sorry. He's won five Oscars and he's been nominated for like 41 Oscars. Look, so just wanted to throw that out there. Obviously what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. Obviously. Now I will say this. Probably his the stuff that he's done in the last. Really the last Basically, ten years. It all sounds the same. I ain't gonna lie. Well, I would say this: in <laughs> in his heyday, when all of the you know all the scores that I'm gonna say uh, are gonna be in that that so on that quote unquote heyday, you don't have the need of um, basically you can't write this kind of music and it makes sense in movies that we watch today. I don't think that his style of writing will be. Um, it, it just won't make sense in the movies that we watch now. There are a lot of, you know, they're, they're darker, they're grittier. And the movies, uh, yeah. Yeah. The movies are. And I just don't think that these, these soaring um, melodies and uh, all the horn things that you're going to hear and, and what he writes, I don't think, you know, will you know, will fit the movies that, uh, that we, we see now. And I, so I think while his music is still great, I don't think it's just going to, I, I see your point, and I will. Um, uh, I'll see your point and raise it. This, to me, his music is timeless. To me, the stuff that he wrote back in the seventies, in my opinion, is still good and better than most crap being written today. Absolutely, hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah, and that's not the argu- that's not the point you were making. The point I think you were also making. I'm just making sure I'm getting it right, not to explain it to anybody else. Is that the movies that are coming out now doesn't really fit that style. Is that kind of what you're... Yeah. The, yeah I'll just make sure exactly. I'm on the same yeah. page. And I think you're right to a point. Um, th- there are certain... Certainly, uh, the films now are are are, are, are different and, and they're supposed to be more artsy now and a little bit less black and white like I think they were. Of course, even back in the 70s and 80s, I mean, we were making some weird shit. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, a Clockwork Orange is a weird film. You know? <laughs> that is for sure. So, uh, not just using that as an example. So, but I see what your point is. And, and I will say this, that I think the films that all of us were going to talk about is our, and I mean, again, it was so hard to put three down on paper because I could have just copied his entire resume and just gone from a hundred to one. And we would all could have made very valid points for that. So, um, so with that being all just being said, so Chad, did you do a, a three, two, one? I did a three, two, one for so this. Let's just do three, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. In, so, what was your three? Empire of the Sun. 
All right. Uh, I really liked the score to this. Of course. Now, the film itself... I like the film. I mean, some people think it's weird and a little slow, but I, I like the film. And it's got Batman in it, so... Well, there you go. Um, I did feel that the film was slow. Um, of course, I watched it when I was in college, and um, it really wasn't a... I, I, I wasn't at... I don't think that I was at a point where I could really appreciate it um, for the art the artness that it was right um at that point in my uh, my development but yeah. um but as far as the as far as the the, the as score. far as the score is concerned it's beautiful i thought it was absolutely gorgeous yeah um even at that point um but that's my number three sure empire of the sun corny did you did you didn't put anything what would you guess as a number three because you said you didn't, you didn't write anything down which is fine but Oh, uh, no, I mean, uh, my number three is uh, going to be, um, oh, excuse me. Oh, I've now seen that dry. film. That <laughs> uh, it's going to be Indiana Jones is my number three. Sure. Uh, and you're saying, of course, Indiana Jones as the, the series. The series. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even though four is a terrible film, the soundtrack still sounds fun. I mean... We, no one's arguing on that point, right? That fourth no, film is no. terrible, but the soundtrack is still good. The score is still fun. It still screams John Williams, and you have a good time with it. Yeah, <laughs> um, a, a thousand percent agree. And that one wasn't in my top three, and it was so freaking hard not to put it there. Um, so I guess it's my turn, right? Um, yeah. yeah. What's your top? What's your number three? So my number three, uh, we uh, also played this in college as the John Williams, um, the movie uh, Far and Away. And say what you will about the movie. I think it's a good movie. But that film score, especially the land race part, um, I, I just, I love it. It just gets me going. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I just think it's a beautiful score. And it's, to me, that that is the, that's, well, the next two are also, are kind of what I would say is the quintessential epic score. That land race part is just high energy, and and I just you know so there you go, um, and that was hard for me to put that instead of Indiana Jones or uh, E. T. or um, in third Close Encounters of a Third Kind, but basically I had to just or or Hook. Damn it, I forgot about Hook. I love that freaking score. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what I did downstairs for the last uh, before we got on the cast and and my wife and I are watching uh, TV and I'm literally on the computer screen staring at John Williams's um, IMDb history, just tossing like, how how do I, how do how do I put in far and away over those films I just said you know and I and apparently I just did but I don't know maybe God, far and away is good but. I don't know. I love Hook. Like, I really love that film. Or not the film. The film's okay. But the score is so good, too. I don't know. It's hard. So I'm just going to say Far and Away slash Hook. Hook, Far and Away. I, I, I can't. I can't pick. It's like picking between your kids. All right, Chad. So we're on to number two. On to number two. Um, even though I said I wouldn't do this because I wanted to piss Sam off because... Just because I can, and he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> but Jurassic Park is freaking awesome. But Jurassic Park is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah, as far as the film is concerned. Yeah. And even even if it would have been a crap film, 
that the movie, that soundtrack is so because you can listen cause again that 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 soundtrack comes on Pandora all the time. Even if you take out the dinosaurs and what that soundtrack represents, it's still just this fun again epic. I keep using that word, but it is an epic sounding. I mean, you it's could big. It's open. It is. Uh, it's just and it's flowing, and, and you know, it, it's it it's never got its punch, but it's never in your face, and it never gets boring. Like I mean, I've yeah. listened. That's I've been at work. Today's Wednesday, so we've had three days of work, and I've probably heard it twice, maybe three times in, the, in that span of time. And every time it comes on, I want to turn the volume up. You know, I, I shouldn't because it'll you know piss off my boss, but. Um, yeah, it's just one of those soundtracks. It's just to me that soundtrack is timeless. To me, that soundtrack will sound good thirty years from now when my son is driving me. You know, I'm driving my son crazy because I'm playing stuff on CD because it sounds better than whatever the hell they're playing. They're using, um, I'm, or I'm, I'm playing it's it on shells. They're I'm, using shells like the you know, <laughs> yeah, the seashells, man. So tell me Actually, how the three uh, for were. my for my number two, it was on high finished. It it was uh, Jurassic Park slash uh, Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones. Yeah, sure, I'm okay with uh, that. I mean, I just uh, just that that iconic theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just you know, I, I just I just get goosebumps every time I hear it. Right. I just I want to go. I want to go get. I want to get my hat. And I want to go find a whip, <laughs> and, and then I want to go, go hang and, off a dinosaur, <laughs> and and yeah, and right off into the sunset on top of a a T Rex. You know, hey, I'm with you. I'm I'm right there. Uh, <laughs> I would, I'm really going to be interested if all three of us pick the same number one. I, I would uh, I would actually bet hard cash that we all will pick the same number one. Corny, so. what's your number two? My number two is going to be Star Wars. Then I'm wrong. Oh, I would have lost. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we all know Star Wars and the, the good Star Wars, you know, the, the one. It doesn't that, matter. The, <laughs> one, two, and three scores are still awesome. That's true. I, I, I'm agreeing with that. I think all, all, of the, all six du- of the Star Wars films. Duel the of the Fates is a great piece of music. I marched that one year. Right. Like, I, I had my kids play that. Yeah. And it still holds up. It does. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. So my number two, sorry, Corny, cut you, cut you off. Oh, but that's fine. If we talk about it now, then Chad and I will have nothing to talk about in a minute. Wait, what is Corny's number two? Star, Star Wars. Wars. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's what yeah. makes us wrong, Chad. We would have lost money on that bet. Yeah, we would have lost. Well, let's have Corny go ahead and tell about his number one. So what's your number one, Chad, uh, Corny? Superman. I cannot get enough of that theme. Uh, Great, let's go on to Star Wars. <laughs> and... <laughs> Which, okay, so Corny's number one is Superman, which leads me into my number two, Superman. Um, obviously not Man of Steel, which was Hans Zimmer, but Superman. Uh, yeah, Corny, you're right. Can't get enough of it. It's exciting. We also play it at, in college. We play it at every game. They we, don't play it anymore. I know they don't play it anymore, and it makes me sad. Uh, but they, uh, we would play Krypton Fanfare going into the fourth quarter to get the crowd hyped up. I don't know if people knew that it was from Superman, but it, it's... It's building and it's it's empowering and it builds and it builds and it builds to that climactic punch at the end and then you're ready to go play the fourth quarter and win a national championship like we did three times. So, so Corny, what were you gonna? What, what are your thoughts? Oh, it, it, well, uh, <laughs> not I, much I can say other than the fact that it's. Uh, I, I'm I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, so it really hurts me to say that 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 would be the uh, film score that I um, that just. I, I want to hear more of, but yeah, good God, you just 
uh, just gives me chills when I hear it. And I, I don't like that. It just, uh, the fact that it keeps, you know, it's the same impact every time. So anyway, otherwise it's just great movie or great movie, great film. We can move on. It makes, it makes me so happy that in man of steel, they sn- that Hans Zimmer snuck in the Krypton fanfare that, that building energy that's, um, that happens right when he first man of steel first learns how to fly and they're building up and building up. It's that Krypton fanfare. And, and when that happens again, that's that, that's that, that feeling you get inside of that, that energy that you want to just, you want to go outside and lift something heavy. You know, you just, you hear that. And, and I think, Oh, I can drop a car on Corny's foot and then lift it up with my hands. Because that happened once, folks. Um, that actually did legit happen. I dropped a car on his foot, but I, I used a floor jack to lift it, not my hands. Man, um, they would have bought it, man. God. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So anyway, um, yeah, Superman, I mean, it's just it's just so good. So so there you go. So that's going to lead us into Chad and Mine's number one. And, uh, and I will say this. Uh, it's hard not to mention Harry Potter, the, yeah. the, the, the theme that he did for Harry Potter. All he did one, two, and three, and the third one is actually my favorite score for the movie. I really like, especially when he's flying on the Griffin or the Hippogriff. Uh, it's beautiful music, but it, it's uh, the Marauders map bit. You know the ba da dum ba da dum bum bum. I don't want to sing too much in this podcast, but that little lilty whatever. It, it's very fun, and but I just wanted to mention Harry Potter's. We know it exists, and it's awesome. Uh, again, that was also part of the thing that we marched in college. Uh, 1941 was also what we marched in college, and it's a good score. And again, that yes. was that was hard not to mention. On so I'm going to mention it. 1941 is also a really good score, and it's a it's a that's that's one of those situations where the score way outshines the movie, um, and that happens a lot. Not necessarily a lot with John Williams because usually he doesn't do crap films. And I'm not saying 1941 is a crap film, but it's um, that's that's the situation where the score way outshines the movie. But it's Star Wars, I mean, to me, it's the best film score ever, ever. Yeah, and I'll punch you. I'll punch somebody in the face to defend it. I won't literally punch you in the face, but you know what I mean. <laughs> it's to you'll, me. Uh, you'll lightsaber him in the face. That's right. With the thing that doesn't exist yet. I'm no, a star. Uh, I am a star. Yeah, blaster. under the table. And you're going to shoot first. <laughs> And I'm going to shoot first. I am a Star Trek fan. I love Star Wars, but to me, Star Trek is is the the king of nerddom. But that Star then, Wars film, that Star Wars sound, what were you going to say, Chad? And then the Enterprise gets blown up by the Death Star. Well, whatever. <laughs> I want to see that meme. There's got to be one that actually exists in the, <laughs> that actually uh, um, how it should have ended. How it should have ended. Yeah. For the the O nine Star Trek, they they can't escape the wormhole, so they turn around and actually go through the wormhole. And then at the other end, they pop out, and there's the Death Star, and they blow it up. And then Darth Vader goes, oh, we're going to oh. catch so much crap for that. <laughs> Pretty funny. Anyway, and yes, I actually had those 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 uh, discussions in high school, Star Trek versus Star Wars. And um, only because Star Trek invented omniscient beings in the queue, like that technically kind of trumps every argument ever. But I don't want to get into those arguments anymore because they're because you can't. Anyway, how did I get there? Oh, so so, so Star Wars, Chad. I mean, 
It's the it's the greatest. In fact, it's actually on AFI American Film Institutes. They did a hundred film scores. It's number one. I mean, well, I mean, it's just so. Uh, John Williams did such a great job with establishing themes mm-hmm. in yeah. in this film. I mean, all of your main characters, you know, had had a theme. Um, granted, Darth Vader's theme really came came about from in the second film, right? Yeah, or, or, Empire I'm Strikes sorry, Back. The Empire f- Strikes Back, the fifth film. Yeah, but yeah. But um, you had um, uh, you had a hero's Lincoln theme. La- yeah. You had the, the hero's theme. You had um, you had your, the main theme itself. You had the um, the Imperial the, March. Um, you had the Force. The Force had a theme. Uh, Leia had a theme. You know, all your main even sh- the Ewoks oh, had a theme. Yeah. <laughs> and even going into the fir- into the episodes one, two, and three, as crap films as 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 they most as most of them are, um, the films the the score itself, you know, I think really you know holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just beautiful stuff. And like we, you mentioned earlier, uh, Duel of the Fates is, you know, it, it's really powerful. And I think that, you know, plugging that on top of, you know, that that uh, lightsaber battle, um, which if you take everything else out of context, the lightsaber battle was pretty cool um, at that point. As a standalone time. thing, even now it kind of it doesn't it kind of holds up, but it's a pretty fun little adventure. But right. the, but the film score over it makes it better, way yes. better. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, in like like when when Luke is fighting Vader in the sixth movie, and we know that it's his his father, and he's trying to basically not kill his father, but you know he's trying to you know he's he's fighting him, and the music isn't. It's not empowering. It's just kind of this sad kind of strong music that makes you really feel bad for what's happening in the scene. And 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 some people don't like this when music kind of directs you how you're supposed to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, some people don't like it. To me, I'm not saying that I'm all for it, but I really think that music really, the score helps one create the scene. But sometimes... It, it just makes the scene just better. You know, I mean, just, it, it just, like, then that scene specifically, you know, I mean, if you, if that music is, is happy, then that scene has completely different meaning. If you put Duel of the Fates on that scene, that scene completely changes. And then it seems like Luke is just fighting some bad guy as opposed to his father, you know, I mean, and it's, that's not supposed to be fun. Right. And there's a there's actually a YouTube video out there and go look this up um if you're still listening, which I hope you are. But uh go look this up. It's called Star Wars Without John Williams. Mm-hmm. And they actually use um uh different pieces of music that other people have obviously other people have written, but more modernized pieces to kind of show what's going on or play it over the over the film in different places. And it just changes the mood so much. Um, just it, it honestly just takes away from the whole film that and, and just kind of tells how much emphasis John Williams and his music had in the telling of that story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, 
I don't know what else to say. It, that when that when when Star Wars comes on my podcast or not my podcast on my um my Pandora. Pandora definitely not changing the channel. I still love it. After what thirty, however many years, almost forty years, almost forty years, it still holds up. It's still great. And what's so awesome about what John Williams did and George Lucas, because this was a George Lucas call, is this was in the height of people using that synth crap. And George Lucas said, nope, we're going to use a score. We're going to use an orchestral score. And I'm going to I'm gonna change the rules, and I'm going to go back to an orchestral score. And then film people like, you can't do that. And then he said, you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to put the credits at the end of the movie. And people said, you can't do that. Oh, and then, okay, well, we, you can do it for this film. Well, then I'm going to do it for Empire Strikes Back also. Oh, no, you can't do that. And then that's the, he changed the industry, but that's a, that's a George Lucas thing. He, but he legit changed how we, we do uh, movies and stuff like that by putting the credits at the end. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Star Wars is just – I mean, I'm looking at my Star Wars poster right now, getting excited. I actually kind of want to go watch the movie, truth be told, right now. Except that it's late, and we all of us have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, so there it is. So, so Star Wars again. We could have talked about other John Williams films. You know, Jaws is another one that we didn't talk about. I mean, he wrote so much good stuff, and it's, um, it's obviously hard. And some of his newer stuff, like Adventures of Ten Ten, if you close your eyes, you're listening to, you know, Indiana Jones. I mean, I, I know he, he kind of borrows a lot from himself, and that's fine. Um, when you've done what you've done, then I think you're kind of allowed. <laughs> so my honorable mention though, for the, for, for score for, for composer was Michael Giacchino. And then I wrote next to it, everything, because everything that he touches is great, especially Incredibles, the new Star Trek stuff up, uh, Ratatouille. So, so there you go. Um, so I think that's kind of, I think that's going to kind of do it. Right? Yeah, we have, we yeah. have anything else to add? I mean, uh, f- film scores are just, uh, to me, a, a good score can change whether the movie is terrible or or not. I mean, we've all seen some real bad films that were a little bit better because of the film score. You know, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of an example right off the top of my head. Um, the Rock movie, the movie The Rock is a fun, dumb movie, but the film score makes it just a little bit better. That driving Hans Zimmer thing that he does, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm trying to think of other examples where, and I'm sure there are dozens of examples where you have just an okay movie just made better by the score. Um, I can't think of, you could probably say Phantom Menace <laughs> is that. <laughs> you know, it's an okay film made better by a film score. And of course, then you can have the opposite. I mean, you can watch, you can have a movie that has a real bad film score and it can kind of detract you from what you're watching and kind of take you out of things. So the film score is so important. And I have actually gone to movies because of the composer. Um, You know, oh, Hans Zimmer's doing that movie? I want to go watch it now. Um, You know, and so. So film scores obviously is very important. So we're now yeah, we're doing okay in time. We're almost about an hour and a half. So uh, have we have we been watching anything? We're gonna we're gonna continue on like this as the end of a normal episode. So 
Uh, we're at, what part are we at? We're obviously not going to do a, out of 10. So what so, are we watching? So what are we watching? So Chad, what are you watching? Did you watch anything this week? Um, not this week. Uh, we kind of glanced over it in our last podcast, yeah, but we were uh, six hours long. Right. But, uh, <laughs> um, Dr. Strangelove. That was uh, right, it's kind yeah. of one of those one of those films that I really never got a chance to watch, or just caught like bits and pieces. But I finally got a chance to sit down and watch it um, all the way through. It's a it's a great um, almost like a character development film. Hmm. Um, I mean, parts of it are really funny. I mean the 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 bit about hey, there's no fighting in here. This is the war room, right? You know, stuff <laughs> like that. It's just. Um, I mean, really primitive um, special effects, mm. but I mean, it, it it still holds up in my opinion. Sure, I think it's uh, it's a it's a nice uh, uh, end of the world type movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that and uh, see, I watched something else, but I can't really think of it coming to mind. Oh yeah, Into Darkness. That, oh, you uh, watched it. Some people didn't invite me to go and let watch it go, it. Chad. Okay. <laughs> Oh my God. That's okay. I finally got did, around to did, watching did, it myself. I want to ask. I want to go there for just a second. Did you? Did you like it? What you? I th- really what? did. You know, I liked the I liked the uh, the homages that they had to uh, the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the. I really liked the spoiler twist with the uh, um, Kirk dying and and Spock, you know, coming in at the last minute mm-hmm. to watch him die. I thought that that was really really. I thought that was really neat. It was well that. done until Spock screamed Khan. Yes. Yeah. That, I laughed out loud in the theater and yes, I wasn't supposed to, <laughs> you know, I, I was actually having a really, there was, it was a really, really nice moment ruined by a gag. Right. You know, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't think that gag, I, you can't do that in the movie. I yeah. understand why they did a lot of other stuff. And it was actually, they even explained the reason like, why are you doing this movie? We've already seen this movie. And the concept is that Khan is such a powerful force in the universe, even, even as a frozen you know, popsicle, that he and Kirk are going to meet at some point. They have to right. meet at some point. And it's going to be an epic battle. So um, obviously the difference is, is that in this movie, Khan just goes back and becomes an icicle. And, and the other one, you know, Khan blows himself up. So, right. Uh, I, I liked Into Darkness too. There are a lot of diehard Trek fans that don't like the film because uh, a lot of Trek fans feel like that the movie talks down to us. Oh, here's a Tribble because Trek nerds like Tribbles. And 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 here's Dr. Marcus because she was in the, you know, she is the love, she is the mother of his son in Khan, Wrath of Khan. Um, but why is she British? And when the Admiral isn't and, all these things that the, the the diehard Trek fans hated. To me, I just said, "This is a fun Star Trek film." See, that's that was my take into it. Like, I wasn't a really big. Um, I was more of the Star Wars fan, sure, um, as opposed to Star Trek. Um, it was actually pretty late um, before I really started getting into Star Trek. Um, but you know, I kind of went into this with thinking that okay this is it's a it's a brand new universe a brand new star star trek it, it, universe it literally is but yeah 
and well, yeah, and and so I kind of just let it go. I didn't I didn't think too too much into you know what was going on. I mean, I appreciated the 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 suggestions of back to the original, but at the same time, you know, I, I took it for what it was worth. Right. Well, good. Um, great. Uh, sorry, I didn't want to go too long on that. Corny, you watching it? Is that anything, Chad? Is that it? That's it. That's it. Corny, me. besides Captain America, Winter Soldier. <laughs> actually, uh, nothing else. It's actually been a very, very busy week. Sure. Uh, for me. But anyway, um, I would say that, uh, to an old staple, uh, I've been falling asleep to episodes of Mythbusters. Nice. And uh, well, science is fun, kids. Yes. Science is fun. Yeah, Cor- uh, Corny went and saw Captain America: Winter Soldier Friday. Yes, and I, I saw it. I saw it Saturday, and I we I think we both really really enjoyed the film. Um, right. Go see it. Yeah, go, go see, see it. it. It's it's for you non comic book nerds. It's not a comic book nerd film. It's an action film. This could be. Jason Bourne with a shield. I mean, right? Yeah, actually, that's a- <laughs> you know. I mean, God, man, that's the name of this episode: Jason Bourne with a shield. I mean, I don't. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's what the movie. It's very. Um, it's almost spycraft. This uh, this movie. It's very fun. It's very. Um, if you watch Marvel's Agents of Shield like I do, it completely changes everything. And Corny, you and I are going to talk off off a cast about that in just a second. So. So there you go. And I, that's what I watched also, um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America Winter Soldier. Great. Well, um, so uh, I would normally ask at this point, Corny, what are we doing next week? But I already know the answer to that. We are doing Pulp Fiction, which is what we were <laughs> supposed to do this week. But again, uh, that's okay. <laughs> we're doing Pulp Fiction out of order. <laughs> I, uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, there's, maybe there's some kind of... Anyway. So, so look for next this week. This is a miracle. This is what we we experienced a miracle. We did experience a miracle. It's called <laughs> Sam getting bronchitis. Ain't um, nobody got time for that. So, so <laughs> yeah. So tune in next week um, for Pulp Fiction. Um, I, I will say this: this is this is your teaser. Uh, I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time. If you this is if this is if this is the first podcast you've ever listened to us, um, then uh, they're not all like this. I apologize, but. If you have been listening for the first few, you know that I've never seen Pulp Fiction before. Well, well actually, I watched it Monday. So uh, my, my opinions of it will be uh, interesting, I think. Um, <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to say I liked it. I'm not going to say I hated it. I'm not going to say anything. That's your teaser. Tune in next what. week. Say what? Say, say what, what again. Say what again. <laughs> yeah, say what again. So English. <laughs> <laughs> nerf herder nerf herder man there were a lot of nerf herders in that movie oh yes sir yeah. oh did we get any mail well actually yes i'm glad you said that chad because well, you want to save that well we can do it now um no, i'll save, I'll save it for next time we'll, well save it for sam i don't care you want to save sam. it for sam i don't care about sam uh, sam will listen to the podcast he's gonna listen to the cast and he's gonna know yeah, suck it sam suck yeah, it suck it sam um i gotta get there podcast mail click Clickety click. Um, did I do the one from Samantha last week? Who's that? Uh, I guess not. Hey, Samantha. Uh, Samantha sends in, uh, hey guys, my name is Samantha, and I have stumbled onto your podcast and really enjoy it. Since finding the podcast, I have gone back and listened to all of your shows. 
Uh, I have even I have even listened to to the what I have even listened to the with others at the nursing home where I live. These are even more fun than bingo. Okay, we have asked for our activity director if they have a Netflix account so that we could watch some of the movies that you guys seem to enjoy reviewing. One movie that I heard mentioned in the podcast that sounded interesting to us was The Children of the Corn. We just had lunch. We just had corn at lunch today. <laughs> uh, if you could, please, would you please review this movie for some of your elderly listeners? Thanks, Samantha. Well, of course, Samantha. We will. I would love to watch that creepy, creepy movie, uh, "The Children in the Corn." So, does, she, does, does this person know? Have, I wonder if she's ever seen "Children of the Corn." I don't know, but here's something else. So, so we actually had two emails this week. Uh, Ooh, twofer. Um. So, uh, so this came in. This came in yesterday on the on the heel. Not yet, uh, yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. On the heels of me screwing up the podcast feed earlier this week and accidentally uh, airing Shaft twice. And that was totally my fault, and I apologize. Um, and this is Jeff, and he is, he's emailed in before. Jeff, hey guys, it's me again. I went to listen to the Hunger Games podcast, and it was a repeat of the Nerf Hurting Shaft podcast. <laughs> That's what he wrote. Can you see if there's some technical problem? Well, yes. His, his name is Sean Allred. Um, I sort of felt shafted. Hey. But since I'm writing an email anyway, can I get a request in? I'd love to see what the rest of the group, if the rest of the group feels, shares Corny's feeling about Children of the Corn. Can oh, that be no. added to the list of films to <laughs> oh, review? Oh, hell no. So we've gotten, <laughs> literally in the two emails we've gotten uh, recently, both of them have re- requested Children of the Corn. So we're going to have to add it in there, Corny. <laughs> so I love the, 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 the fact that I'm going to have to relive my... Uh... Yeah, the uh, childhood, childhood nightmare. This is great. So thanks, Chad, for reminding me about emails. You son of a... <laughs> Sorry, you had just mentioned that earlier about, hey, we got an email about that. Yeah. Like, oh. So we got yeah two emails about oh, Children of the Corn. So, so there you go. So so tune in next week for Pulp Fiction. Corny will eventually tell us when Children of the Corn gets added. He might push it and keep pushing it towards the end because Corny <laughs> is the, the the list master. But um, I master the list. I'm the list yeah. master. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie Murphy. Uh, so there you go. So, um, so yeah. So, so special thanks goes out to uh, Sight and Sound AV at sightandsoundnc.com. Uh, thanks for Steve Everett for his our intro and outro music. Uh, you can find him at steveeverett.net and on Facebook. Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, you can find us obviously both there. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews, and you may follow us on Twitter at Cheap Seat Cast. And please send your emails to cheapseatreviews at gmail.com and check out our website at, um, at www.cheapseatreviews.com. They have links to our, our actual shows through either to Stitcher or iTunes. However, you want to get there, it doesn't matter. Check us out. Um, eventually, we'll have pictures and bios and all that fun stuff. But while Sam is on his deathbed, we can't. So, with that being said, um, on behalf of Chad and 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 Corny and deathbed Sam, uh, this is Sean saying goodnight. Thanks for listening. Check us out tomorrow for or next week for Pulp Fiction, and uh, have a great night. Feel better, Sam. Suck it, Sam. With my-
That's what I meant by that. <laughs>